0: you are listening to revival talk i'm pastor terry bailey and i want to thank you for joining me today on the podcast in today's message we are talking about the spirit of baal the strong man who rules over many nations and we will talk about how to overcome him for more information about our ministry go to revivaltalk.org mark chapter 3 verse 20 it'll be on the screen And I'm going to read through verse 27. Then the multitude came together again so that they could not so much as eat bread. But when his own people heard about this, they went out to lay hold of him, for they said, He is out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, He has Beelzebub. By the ruler of the demons, he cast out demons. So he called them to himself and said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan is risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but has an end. No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man, and then he will plunder his house. We're engaged in a spiritual battle. Jesus said no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his goods. Now I want to read Mark three twenty-seven from the New Living Translation. Let me illustrate this father who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man and plunder his goods. Only someone even stronger, someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. In Revelation chapter 10, 12, verse 10, we learn about true spiritual warfare. We learn that there's a spirit world that is just as real as a natural world we live in today. As children of God, we are attacked by a very real adversary who hates righteousness and the Savior that we love and serve. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, then I heard a loud voice in heaven Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused him before our God day and night has been cast down. Who is this strong man? In Mark chapter 3 verse 21 he's identified as Beelzebub who is identified as the ruler of demons. How many of you know Satan has an army? Ron Phillips writes, he said, I believe that Satan is a great imitator. So he patterned his army like the holy angels. The apostle Paul in his letter to the Ephesians identifies these dark forces in the following flow of authority. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. And it's supposed to be on the screen. We must be having technical issues up there. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Ron Phillips calls this the hierarchy of hell. We're not wrestling with flesh and blood. Our battle is not with individuals, our battle is not with flesh and blood, though the devil uses flesh and blood. But we're wrestling with an unseen enemy that's working behind the scenes under the cover of darkness To assault us, to attack us, to come against us, and to keep us in bondage. But I've come with good news this morning. Anybody ready for good news? Greater is he that's in us than he that is within the world. So we're engaged in this unseen enemy that hides in the darkness. First of all, we have principalities. These are top-ranking demons that are called principalities. The principality, the word principality is translated from the Greek word arche, which means chief. There are chief demons which correspond with the archangels among the holy angels. These princes hold sway over the souls of people among the holy angels. A principality is what assigns demonic spirits to operate in the disobedient. These princes rule over continents and nations. In Daniel chapter 10, verse 12 and 13, we learned that the prince of Persia hindered the answer to Daniel's prayer for 21 days. And the angel that was summoned had to go and get Michael, an archangel, to help him. So, secondly, are powers. The rank of evil officers, the second rank here of Satan, is called powers. The word powers comes from a Greek word, exousia, which means delegated authority, like that of a policeman. These demons seem to operate invisibly in government centers such as national governments. But I want to tell you some good news about these. These powers cannot separate us from the love of God. Can you say amen? And the Bible says in Matthew 24, 29, that these powers will be shaken at the end of the age. The third is the rulers of the darkness. This means to seize, to take hold of governments for the sake of darkness and evil. These demonic spirits want to take over the offices of government, the legislatures, and the courts. You say, well, I don't know if I believe that or not. Well, you better believe that they're demon spirits that are trying to take over the offices of the government in the nation that we live in today. When you redefine the definition of a woman, that's a demon working behind that. It's a ruler of the darkness. They rule in dark places. That's people that's giving themselves over to that. They're rewriting Title IX, which was guarantees girls, women to be able to play in sports. And now men who profess to be women want to play in women's sports. So I guess you can't win with the men. you got to go pray against the women. Come on, somebody. Number four, spiritual host of wickedness. In the Greek, it literally means fake. You've heard of fake news? Well, this is fake. The, the word wicked here comes from the Greek word It's which we get fornication and pornography. These are unclean spirits. The unclean spirits that we deal with today. I want you to see how Satan has an army. Satan has a government. Satan works behind the scenes. But who is the strong man that I mentioned and talked about? Who is the strong man over America today? I believe the strong man over our nation today is the spirit of Baal. The worship of Baal is alive and well. In the United States of America. I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to show you how he works. I'm going to show you the works of his hands. And show you. Spirits never die by the way. And we're going to expose the works of the devil. But I didn't come to give glory to the devil this morning. I came to give glory to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4.27 says. Nor give place to the devil. 1 John 3, verse 8, He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So this morning I want to begin by unmasking the spirit of Baal. Who is this spirit of Baal? John Benefield writes, he said, Baal is called the God with a thousand faces, and trying to pull back a lot like opening an unending series of nesting boxes. Each time you open one, a new one appears. The primary thing that we need to understand about Baal is that he is a sign to hold back the promises of God. Baal is a principality. The word Baal in and of itself is not an evil or a negative word. The word Baal in Hebrew means master, lord, or ruler. It's a name that God sometimes uses for himself. He's the real master. He's the real ruler. He's the real lord. Satan is the counterfeit. In 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 20, David defeated the Philistines and named the place Baal-perazim, which means the Lord of the breakthrough. And in this passage, he's referring to Yahweh or Jehovah God. Baal seeks to take the place of the one true God. The name Baal in the Bible is, mostly, is commonly associated with the Canaanites and the Phoenician god of fertility, the rain, the sun, and the storm. Baal was considered the supreme god and master of all the other gods. In many instances, various cities would have their own special Baal. This is where we see the name used in conjunction With a specific locality such as Baal Peor or Baal Gad or Baal Hermon. The Baals or Balaam plural were considered the Lord of their respective lands. Now listen, people worship these demons just like you and I worship God. And they worship these demons because they believe in the worship of these demons... That this demon Baal would give them what they needed and what they desired. When they planted their crops, they worshiped and sacrificed to Baal because they believed that Baal would cause their crops to be good. They believed this. This wasn't something that was just practiced and, and kind of mythological. This was a part of their belief system, and it infected them. And the worship of Baal was so strong that when the children of Israel were brought into the promised land, the Lord said, you've got to destroy that. You can't have any part of that because it was so strong and so seducing that if we weren't careful, it would draw the Israelites into that false worship. I've come to tell you that Baal is alive and well today. I'm going to prove it to you before the day. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's going to prove it to us. Dutch Sheets writes the following about Baal. He says, Baal, or Beelzebub, which is another name for Baal, is identified as the ruler of demons in Matthew 12:24, And then in the text I read to us in, in Mark chapter 3, verse 22. Beelzebub is another name for Baal. Look at verse 22. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, He has Beelzebub, and by the ruler of demons he cast them out the scribes who came down from jerusalem were saying this jesus is possessed by beelzebub and he cast out demons by the ruler of demons the children of israel were attributing the miracles of god to baal baal is known as baal hamon which means lord of wealth or abundance the symbol of baal is a bull there's a bull right in front of wall street come on somebody our whole monetary system operates under this spirit of Baal, which is a spirit of greed. Hamon, the lord of wealth or abundance. The enemy wants to stop the promises of God and control the earth and its wealth. Poverty is a result of this spirit. Now listen, there's a spirit of poverty. How many of you know God's not the God of poverty? God's the God of abundance and blessing. What do you say in John 10, 10? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I'm come that you might have life and just get by more abundantly. Jesus wants us to have an abundant life. Now, we can't define prosperity, the kingdom prosperity, by the world's yardstick. That's not the way you define it. And poverty is not always not having enough money. So I've known people who had lots of money who lived in a fear of poverty. That's a poverty mentality. I'm not going to have enough. Listen, the God we serve is more than enough. That's what the rich young ruler had when Jesus said, Sell all your goods and give to the poor. He went away sorrowful because he, I believe he had a, a, that spirit of poverty where he didn't believe if I give away everything, what am I going to do? I'll tell you, if you give everything to God, God will give it back to you, pressed down, shaking together and running over. So what do we do? We claim this scripture, Jeremiah 51, 44. I will punish Baal in Babylon, and I will bring out of his mouth what he has swallowed, and the nation shall not stream to him anymore. yes the wall of Babylon shall fall. Jeremiah fifty one forty four from the Amplified Bible. And I will punish and execute judgment upon Baal the God in Babylon, and take out of his mouth what he has swallowed up the sacred vessels and the people of Judah and elsewhere who were taken captive, the nations will not flow any more to him, yes the wall of Babylon has fallen. Baal-bereth is another name. It means the Lord of the covenant. The Hebrew word Baal means husband or marriage. This spirit always attempted to cause Israel to divorce or break covenant with God and marry or align with him. Consistent with this, in in so many ways, America has broken covenant with God and married Baal. I like this. The strong man behind most covenant breaking is the spirit of Baal. Last summer, Kayla and I, Beth wasn't able to go with us. Lisa was a part of that team, and a whole group from our conference. We left here, went and started in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And our team, which was the eastern route, we touched from eastern Virginia. From Virginia Beach, first landing, we left there and we went across the nation and we ended in Lebanon, Kansas, which is the center of the 48 lower states. It is a geographical center there. And we put up a tent in that pasture. It's all farmland. And 3,000 of us or so got under that tent in that hot, boiling sun that day. And we worshiped and we prayed and we made an appeal to heaven. When you make an appeal to the government and the government says no when you make an appeal to the president and the president says no when you make an appeal to the supreme court and the supreme court says no we go to a higher authority we made an appeal to the supreme court of all courts to the god the judge of all judges but we started in virginia beach at first landing we took our five elements we took our torch we went down on the beach people are down there swimming laying out in the sun doing all the stuff they do on the beach And here's this crazy bunch of Pentecostals come down there. And we prayed and sang and worshiped. And I'm standing in the water. It's lapping up on me as we're there uh, on that beach. And we dedicated and we, we repented and we cried out to God for this nation. Now, why did we go to First Landing? We went to First Landing because that's a place where when they came to Virginia for the first time, they stayed, and Robert Hunt made a covenant with God. He made them stay on that, those ships and pray and repent for 15 days. Can you imagine crossing the ocean in a wooden boat with sails on it, being in that ocean all that time, and you get close enough to land, and the preacher won't let you come ashore? And they came ashore, and they dedicated this land to God, and they made a covenant with God. America has a covenant with God. We hadn't always gotten it right. We hadn't always done the right thing. We've got a lot of... Hang-ups in our past, but I want to tell you, this nation has a covenant with God, and we have broken that covenant. And when there's a broken covenant, that means Baal is at work. Baal is a strong man behind sexual perversion. And let me tell you, it's celebrated in our nation today. Homosexuality was and is one of his big strongholds. I believe all the sexual sin and the perversion in America, to one degree or another, is under Baal's orchestration. Baal always goes after the next generation trying to cut off the extension of God's covenantal purposes. He's a violent spirit and even required human sacrifice. Abortion is under bail, as is the cutting of today's young generation. Have you heard of that? You seen that? I've dealt with it. That's the spirit of Baal. The vampire and golf movement. Death culture in general that has so invaded America. I want to tell you, that is all operating under this stronghold. This strong man of Baal. Baal is leading the fight to avert the great awakening. Plan for the younger generation of Americans today. The enemy is at work because the enemy does not want our young people to be touched by the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to pray against and bind these efforts. Witchcrafts and occult spirits in general operate under Baal, and so does Jezebel. That spirit of Jezebel, it operates under this principality. So we see Baal unmasked, we us see Baal worship now. Dr. John Benefield writes, he said, Baal worship began in Babylon with Nimrod and over time evolved to include Marduk and Astarte and finally Baal and Ishtar. The Egyptian culture named Baal Osiris and the queen of heaven, they named Isis. The Greeks named Baal Zeus and the queen of heaven, Artemis or Diana. Diana was worshiped in Ephesus. You remember, that's where Paul got in trouble. Had that great revival in Ephesus and it hindered the worship of Diana where pilgrims would come to Ephesus to worship in Diana. And they would buy all the idols and all that. They had such a revival that they took all that stuff out and burned it. May God give us a revival like that in this hour. We'll come together and we'll burn the implements of the things that we have used to worship Satan. The Greeks named Baal Zeus. Diana was worshipped in Ephesus. The Romans called Baal Jupiter and the Queen of Heaven Juno. I want you to see that Bel's behind all of the false worship. Baal well, worship involves three things. Number one, a worship of the environment. Virgin is the second thing. And then the third is shedding of innocent blood. Those three things are involved in the worship of Baal. Baal was believed to be the God of the sun, the sea, and the storm. He was believed to be the owner of the earth. But I got some good news. Let me just give you some good news here. Psalms 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, and the world and those who dwell therein. The priest of Baal taught devotees that Baal was responsible for both good and bad. The rain that nourished good crops as well as droughts, plagues, and every kind of calamity. They were terrified of displeasing him. They sacrificed their firstborn child to him by burning them alive in a fire. I want you to think about that. That is why God instructed Elijah to call for a drought. In James chapter 5, verse 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Climate change has become like a religion in our nation, in many nations of the earth. We're going to save the climate by raising our taxes and making us all drive electric vehicles. We're all going to get Teslas. And all the battery material is mined out of the earth. It's rare minerals mined out of the earth. And guess where most of it's located? In China. I found this article from Sky News in Australia. Sky News host Alan Jones says this, Climate change is a new religion. As the topic continues to permeate every single thing that happens today, everything is climate change. The brush fires are climate change. The floods in England are climate change. The tornadoes in America are climate change. Climate change is a disease which has become a worldwide serious crisis, Mr. Jones says. He says we're feeding our young people with dishonesty, and kids in school are being brainwashed. Do you know there's a major drought right now in Arizona, Utah, Wyoming, California, Nevada, and Colorado? It's the Colorado River Basin that feeds Lake Powell and Lake Mead. Listen to this article. It's called Dried Up. It says nowhere in the southwest worst drought year since the year 800 more evident than Lake Powell and Lake Mead. The pair of artificial Colorado River reservoirs whose plunging levels threaten major water and power sources for tens of millions of people. I want you to note the article blames the drought on climate change. But I want you to know if you read the scriptures, you'll find out that oftentimes drought is a spiritual matter. Now, we're not a political people this morning. I didn't come here. I'm not standing up here as a Republican or a Democrat. I'm not standing up here as an independent. I'm not standing up here this morning politically. But I'm standing up here prophetically. And as a prophetic people, we can speak into the political realm. And I want you to know that the drought that's in America, that's in that part of America, I believe it's a result of the shedding of innocent blood. I believe it's a result of our worship of the environment. I believe it's... Totally and completely connected to the spirit of Baal in this nation. And I believe the way to break the power of drought is through repentance. It's returning to God. It's through revival. And listen, if you look at these things and you start examining where this is going on, I want you to know that drought is not a result of climate change. The climate may be changing. It probably changes every little while. It changes up every little bit. But I want to tell you that if you read the scriptures, you understand that it's not going to be climate change that causes the problems in the future this world's going to melt away with a fervent heat and out of that god's going to bring forth a new earth and new heavens and if we'll read the word and believe what the word will say we don't have to buy into the fear that's being peddled and being taught in our schools to our young people can somebody say amen i don't think you ought to litter i don't think you ought to do things that harm the environment i think we ought to respect it we have a stewardship of it but we can't worship the climate we can't worship the earth. Baal is the principality behind pornography and every kind of sexual sin. The temple of Baals were filled with sexual immorality. And the acts were formed out in the open for all of Israel to see. And in their rituals, they danced lewdly around the temple, much like is done in strip bars and clubs today. Not much has changed from that day until now. Baal has continued to drive the pornography market, the sex slaves and homosexuality and every kind of sexual sin including adultery and fornication. And listen but let me tell you what's coming across our border in the United States of America. There's all kinds of sex trafficking that's coming across this border. There are all kinds of children that are coming across that border. They're going to be exploited and used and their lives will be destroyed by wicked and evil individuals who use them. That is the spirit of Baal at work in our nation today. But I I've come to tell you that we serve a greater one than Baal. His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. He's high and lifted up this morning. And he said, if you'll draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. I want you to see what's at work. This violent spirit requires human sacrifice. Can you imagine taking your firstborn child and sacrificing that child to a God that you can't see or know? They would put that child into the fire and sacrifice that child. That's what abortion is. And I believe that when Roe v. Wade was overturned in our nation, I believe it removed a curse of death off our nation. But the battle's not over. It's now moved to the states. And some states have declared that we will be sanctuary states for abortion. We will provide money. And godless, soulless corporations, soulless corporations, who care more about their profits and their bottom line than their employees who would have a family, they've come out in favor of abortion And they said, we'll pay your travel expenses to go and have an abortion. You know why? Because it's cheaper for them to pay for the abortion than it is for them to pay for your maternity insurance. Soulless, godless corporations. May God deal with them in Jesus' name. In the Old Testament, children were sacrificed to Moloch by being made to pass through the fire. And we see the anger and the violence that was associated with the Supreme Court ruling. I'm telling you, pro-life centers and and pregnancy centers that stood for life, they've been burned and vandalized and, and listen God help us as a nation listen life's to be honored and appreciated life begins at conception the moment you conceive your life begins we made in the image and the likeness of God hallelujah it's sacred I saw a clip of Samantha Bee she's some kind of pretend news person comedian or something on TV I saw this on YouTube and she was interviewing three women from different religions Judaism Islam and Catholicism And she went and asked each one about abortion. And all of the ladies made the statement that abortion was allowed in their religions. And then the woman that was representing Catholicism said that the teaching on abortion, listen to this, was created by celibate men who had no understanding of women because they didn't have wives or daughters. And Samantha B. then asked her, is it abortion in the Bible? And the woman answered, no, it's not. Well, it's funny, I found it in the Bible. Psalms one thirty nine thirteen through 14. You were formed, you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well from the womb. A moment of conception. Hallelujah. That is viable life. You see where we're at today. Ahab and Jezebel sought to make the worship of Baal the state religion of Israel. But they had one problem. Prophet Elijah. See, Baal hates the prophets. Baal seeks to destroy the prophetic. Baal wants to shut off the word of the Lord. But Ahab and Jezebel killed the prophets. And they established this as a state religion. It produced a three and one half year drought. It got so bad that it was affecting the economy, it was affecting every part of their lives. And that's when the prophet Elijah came on the scene. So we've unmasked Baal, and we've talked about how Baal is worshipped, but let's talk about how to overcome Baal this morning. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's almost finished. How do we defeat this spirit? We must understand we're a kingdom people. We must establish our boundaries and exercise our authority within those boundaries. One of the first things is to expose the enemy for who he is. James 4, 7, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. One of the best weapons to use against Satan is simply to resist him. He cannot be tolerated, allowed any room or any opportunity in our lives. He can't tolerate being resisted. The Christian can best resist the devil in the following ways. Let me give them to you real quick. Number one, we must know how the devil attacks. We have to recognize him. 2 Corinthians two eleven, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Number two, we must stand guard, waiting for Satan to attack. 1 Peter 5, 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Number three, we must put on the whole armor of God. In Revelation 12, 11, we overcome him by the blood of the Lamb, and the word... Of our testimony. Now I'll show you this and then I'm done. When the children of Israel left Egypt. God led them through the wilderness. Sometimes God will take you through the wilderness. There are things he wants to speak to you. There are things he wants to show you. And there are things he wants to teach you in the wilderness. And sometimes he will take you on a journey through the wilderness. Now most of us are hucking and bucking the whole time. We're binding the devil. We're we're coming out of the wilderness in Jesus' name. But God has a purpose in leading us in that direction. And he took the children of Israel, not the easier way, but he took them into the wilderness. And the Bible said that Pharaoh pursued them. And God brought them right to the Red Sea. Sometimes you wonder, God, what are you up to? I just don't understand why you're leading me this way. And they came to a place at the Red Sea. It's in Exodus 14, 1 and 2 called Baal Zephon. Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they turn and camp before Pi-harahoth between Migdal and the sea opposite Baal Zephon and you shall camp before it by the sea. Now we really don't even at this point know who Baal is because he's really not introduced to us till later in the scriptures. But I want you to note this, Baal Siphon. Baal Siphon is the lord of the seas, the winds, and the storm. He's the lord of the commerce of the seas. God brought them to the very gate of the enemy. I'm about to run up this aisle here in a moment. I feel this. Baal Siphon. Pharaoh is pursuing them. The children of Israel are up against the Red Sea. They have nowhere to go. They're locked in. They have a sea in front of them and an enemy behind them. Their backs are to the wall. Now, like good church folks, most of them grumble. It's too hot. It's too cold. It's too loud. It's not loud enough. Come on, I'm preaching good. God told Moses, says, stand out and stretch your rod out over the sea. And the Bible said, it's the greatest miracle in the Old Testament that the sea opened the walls stood up, and they walked across on dry ground. Now, I've always wondered about this. Why did Pharaoh think that he could go in? When Pharaoh came to where they were, and he saw we're at Baal, said, fine, he said, I've got them now. My God, I've found a God that's more powerful than their God, and he set a trap for them. You see that? He set a trap for them. I'll pursue them now and take them back to Egypt. And I'll make their lives even more difficult. But they went across on dry ground. And then Pharaoh went in behind them. And the Bible said that the walls of those waters came down. And Pharaoh and his army and his chariots were drowned beneath the waves and the waters of the Red Sea. And Baal, Zephon, Saul that the God of heaven is greater than the spirit of Baal. Wow. Baal was delivering the children of Israel into his hands. God had another plan. There are times when our backs are against the wall. There are times when the Red Sea's in front of us and the armies of Pharaoh are behind us. We don't humanly have an answer for what's happening in our life. We don't humanly have an answer for what we're faced with. We don't humanly have an answer for what we're going through. But I've come to tell you that the God we serve, He's greater, He's bigger, and He's able